To CPC Seishura <laughs> Podcast. I'm Scoot Magoo. I'm Jim Jam. And I forget what conversation prompted this um, segment I, we're going to do I, right I, now. I, I think I kind of just barged in and was like, Scott, we're doing this. <laughs> no, but it was a really fun idea, and I'm, I'm, I think it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting. I feel the parameters kind of, kind of left. It's a little it, strange. But it left it pretty open-ended, and I think we're going to each come to the table with some interesting releases. So We, 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 we definitely had to kind of um, <laughs> revise what we were doing a little bit. We had to yeah. reset it a little bit, but I think ultimately what we came to is looking at uh, underground artists with the big air quotes front underground, obviously, um, in today's day and age. I mean, we're not back in the early you know tape trading days of like thrash metal or anything where stuff, yeah. you could totally tell when something's truly underground. Just you know, from our best estimation, artists that you know we think truly deserve some extra love and are either on a you know small label, which itself could you know deserve some extra attention, or you know doesn't have a ton of people on Bandcamp that back it, or you know any number of things that we would yeah. deem kind of lesser known but but worthy of being known. Yeah. So basically, like we just said, let's find just like two or three, and uh, each, and just uh, let's talk about some some music that um, yeah, that, that that maybe not a whole lot of people know about. And I mean, with Bandcamp being just so freaking huge, <laughs> you know, this is we, we we could do an entire like podcast, like an entire separate like podcast series just about underground music. Yeah, and just about. Um, I mean, because I think the term underground has has taken on a new meaning nowadays. Yeah. I mean, underground. I think in the past would be it was pretty distinct. You know, not on a major label, and obviously, yeah. I don't even know when that definition uh, was still useful because clearly there there are you know well you know prominent indie labels that are you know well known enough that you wouldn't consider a band underground, but obviously it's not like a a Warner Bros or a or like any of those. Type yeah, of labels. I, I I think there's. I mean, it, it really it, it's definitely that the, the lines have been blurred a lot over yeah. like the past decade. Um, but I, I still think you can you can kind of see you know a difference because like you know if you go to like a Bandcamp page and like you see like you know a million people have bought this album. Like yeah, that that that's. That's kind of telling. Oh, that's, that's a totally um, fair point. Yeah. So, but I mean, we, we were initially trying to find stuff that had like nobody buying it, um, and that proved to be very hard for me because uh, I really dislike Bandcamp um, a lot, <laughs> and uh, but then I also couldn't really find anything that I I, I found to be good. Um, or well, maybe, I, maybe I, I should rephrase so to something that i was interested in yeah i i I think what was the or what the main issue was is it was a very specific we had very specific parameters we were going in with yeah um like i don't think a lot of bands tag them i mean i'm i've seen artists tag themselves underground uh, on on, you know on their page but that i think we were looking for very specific things that not a lot of artists would label themselves as because i think most people going in um, 
aren't looking for completely i mean they might look for underground or indie artists which you can find you know no shortage of on Bandcamp, but maybe not totally unknown or totally undiscovered the 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 whole Bandcamp tagging thing is just a complete mess so you know it does not make it easy sure i don't um, think that's necessarily bank i mean i I totally agree that's true i don't think it's necessarily Bandcamp's fault or i don't think there's much we can do about the you know for example we've talked about before i think on here definitely you know offline um i mean especially in metal uh, a metal band a lot of, or frequently will just throw on every tag that's even adjacent you know let's say, yeah, let's exactly. say it's a, a death metal band i mean there's a pretty high likelihood that if you like death metal you might also enjoy you know thrash metal death metal um Hardcore. You know, black, black metal yeah or, or what, what have you any any number of genres and obviously if someone's looking for a certain genre um, of one thing, they might like you know any number of other genres that are somewhat related or in the same ballpark. So oh God, it's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, obviously, uh, Bandcamp can't go through every release and be like, we well, you know this really isn't black and thrash. Yeah, it's just crossover thrash. You got to <laughs> take that. Do, tag do off. The, uh, the 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 bearded metal nerd? Yeah, exactly. Type of thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, it's yeah, it's it's black and thrash core. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think it depends what you go into. Bandcamp for like when I put on Bandcamp, I'm looking just to discover anything. I, I never have. I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, if I want death metal specifically, I'll go through the death metal tags. I'll look at best selling, then I'll look at new arrivals, see um, what, frankly, what covers jump out to me, or if it's a band I recognize, or if I see that it's on a label I recognize. Um, I think if used purely for discovery, um, like for example, I love their weekly radio show. I think that's a super, super well produced and really cool program, and I found a ton of cool albums from that i didn't even know they did that i, I mean yeah. i know they had like the daily blog thing but yeah they do every new. week it's it's like a really well uh they weave in artist interviews and they do a good balance of stuff that's been out for a while and you know stuff that's coming out and what i really love about it is that each episode is slightly different but it kind of goes along a somewhat similar sonic vibe Okay. So, you know, it's not like, you know, all free jazz or all, you know, anything like that. It's it's definitely, if you if you like this cool, like, neo-soul vocal jazz album, you might also like this cool kind of, um, I don't know, like a, like a world music type piece or like this electronic album that's a bit more ambient or out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a great place for discovery, which is why I, I loved um, your idea, because I think there's uh, some artists that... Um, can use Bandcamp as a platform, and it's a, it's a phenomenal tool for that. Um, but even then, there's a lot of artists that <laughs> share that mindset and share um, the goal of using Bandcamp as a as an avenue for putting their music out there. So um, there's no guarantee. It's obviously it's easier than basically what I'm saying. It's easier than ever before to put your music out there, but that still doesn't yeah. mean you'll you'll make it. Yeah, I would argue it's it's harder now to find it in a way. Because, I mean, I, I've complained about this before, but the Bandcamp UI, I think, is just so poorly designed, it needs to be replaced, like, immediately. <laughs> like, it is it is the sole, almost the sole reason why I don't use Bandcamp. And uh, I'm, I'm curious what you think, because, I mean, I, I just, I'd love to know why you think it's poorly yeah. designed. So, I, I think part of it is just, like, sort of the search features aren't really um, helpful because like you know if you go to you know for like so i i'm looking just off the top of my head like i'm just thinking about what it's like so you you know you pick out a genre you can pick out a subgenre within that genre um 
you know, and then sometimes you can pick out, you know, you're allowed to pick a location and, you know, if it's what new, uh, new, new releases, best selling. And then, um, I think there's like a third one, a third option to filter sort of results. Uh, artist recommended. Yeah. Artist recommended. Thank you. And, um, I see, I just find that whole thing to be just not designed well, like basically because, you know, you can put in, you know, new releases or something like that, and it will give you releases that aren't new. Like, and I'm completely serious. I found stuff that is just, like, years old, you know? Well, it depends if it's, it's usually, it's newly added. It's not necessarily new releases, you know? Yeah, but, but like, I mean, I'm talking about, like, I, I, I'm almost certain that I've found stuff that's, like, you know, 2017 in new releases, yeah, sometimes people will backlog albums. I mean, I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened, but sometimes people will um, re-up or they'll upload See, albums I, that weren't on Bandcamp. I find that annoying, and then I, you know, but you would think it would be fixed by the uh, the time uh, parameter that you can add to it, but you can only use that for main genres, not subgenres. So, like, you can like you know put on like, oh, I want to find punk albums that have come out in the last week, and you'll find those. But if you try to go to like hardcore punk or something more specific than that, the option isn't there, which I find is complete bullcrap because it like there is like just considering the sheer amount of music that is on Bandcamp, I find it impossible to think that like there is no hardcore punk album that's come out in the last 10 days. (laughs) Like that it's just an impossibility. And, you know, it, it just really annoys me that they just decide to get rid of that option during that. Like, like th- that just really gets to me because, like, I, you know, if I'm, like, I'm all up for trying new music, but, like, you know, I, I, I want to find stuff that actually fits within that genre. And I, you know, like, within the sermon parameters, you know, like, you know, if, if I'm looking for, like, you know, album of the year picks, you know, I, I kind of want to just be able to see stuff that came out this year. I don't want to have to go through this whole thing. And, like, I mean, usually it ends up with me having to do a specific Google search for a certain genre and, you know, just making it only Bandcamp searches and then having to filter through that by, like, the last year or so. That's, like, the only way I can find stuff anymore. Um, And I think that part of that has to do with the tagging, uh, as I've said before, you know, and... In a way, there's not much you can do about that because that's sort of, you know, the artist's prerogative on mm-hmm. how they, you know, uh, designate themselves. Uh, themselves, But still, it, it just makes it uh, confusing and it's just messy and it bothers me that they haven't, you know, felt like updating it at all. Even though, like, Bandcamp's like, what, almost a decade old now, probably? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Like and they've pretty much had the same the same user interface since, like the beginning, and I just don't think it's, I just don't think it works very well, or at least like, I don't know, like it would be cool if there was just like an like um, like an advanced search feature, like I I think something like that, like like give me give me some more power in a way, to be able to find stuff. Uh, that's really what I'm asking for, basically. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't really want to rant about this, frankly, because it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a stupid topic to rant about. Like it's, it's just not worth the energy in a way. Um, 
so let's just get down to these. Uh, do you want to just we'll, we'll we'll sort of go back and forth, sure, with what we found. Uh, so why don't you go first, good sir? Yeah. So pick three albums that are more or less from. Um, actually, I, I guess they're definitely from different spheres. Uh, I was trying to find. Um, a little bit more variety. I feel like I, I found two rock adjacent albums and then one ambient album, which okay. I, I was hoping to have like a, a rock adjacent, a jazz and ambient. But these are three that I think are really, really not only good, but kind of emblematic of this conversation. And uh, two of which specifically I think could, could be major players in their respective genres down the line. And the first one I'd like to bring up, I mean, this is the most excited I've been about a, a young metal band in a while. I feel like this band has, has so much potential. Uh, they're a, a black gaze band from Minnesota called Wishfield. Uh, they okay. released their self-titled album. Um, it was a few months ago at this point. I forget exactly when. And it's it's remained... I, I will say going into this before I, I go too further, I definitely think that they have a lot... They have a lot of potential that they have, you know... The ability to realize on. I don't think yeah. this is a perfect release. I think there's definitely room to grow, but I think it's an incredible, um, it's an incredible take on the genre that really calls to the roots. You know, there's a lot of death heaven on here. Um, you know, basically, they're obviously the, the the standard for this specific strain of black gaze, so they're easy to, to call for. But really, there's a lot on here that is very standard to the genre. But what makes it interesting is that they use uh, fretless bass and fretless guitar. Oh, that um, is cool. So there's a very, very heavy emphasis on kind of the dream pop and the shoegaze, especially the. There's a lot of elongated tremolos. Like you can tell that they're the way that they're you know sliding the riffs and, and sliding those tremolos. It's much more natural. It, it sounds like it's something that's been, uh, been modulated uh, synthetically, but really it's just them using the fact that they can really quickly move along the fretboard. And, you know, just kind of that, that simple chain. Well, I mean, not so simple, but that... that yeah, but it, it, it's a really cool addition. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think what they, they add on even more is that there are... There's a lot of black metal-oriented tracks, but there's also a lot of tracks that harken a little bit more towards the shoegaze, dream pop, uh, end of the spectrum, but definitely with a harder edge than you'd find in the genre. Uh, the production's very raw throughout, which kind of helps in that regard. Um, but definitely, there's... Uh, one song in, on the back end, particularly, uh, I think it's I think it's called "Radio On." I'm so bad with track names, but it's <laughs> it's it's I think the second or third to last track, and it really it has basically a, it's like the most radio friendly um, black gay song, <laughs> yeah, which is really really hard to a really weird thing to say, but it's kind of like when um, there's a, a song off of uh, "Parting the Seas" between "Brightness and Me" uh, by Touche Amore. Yeah, where uh, I forget, I forget what it's called, but when the producer heard it, he's like, he basically just wrote a pop song. Like obviously not in that sense, but like the structure yeah. and the way it's like one of those just a classically well written song. Um, and I feel like this is this was that a version of that on on this where they just wrote a song that fits exactly what they're doing, but has that appeal that you really are you most associated with like a radio hit or like a, a song that comes on you're like man like that you know our top 40 hit <laughs> wish feel <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if, if that'll make it but I, uh. I i hope that they at least um get picked up by 
a minor label, major label. They just have so much potential, and I really, really hope that they are able to capitalize on that. I think that they would benefit from a veteran metal producer in the studio. They would benefit from, um, I don't know if they're touring, but definitely touring with larger black metal bands or bands within the style. I think they could take a lot of... um, take a lot of what they've done here and just refine it and tweak it and just have a little bit better production quality and this would really be a contender for um, one of the most exciting up-and-coming metal bands. Huh. So I, I have to ask, like, did, does, in your opinion, does the like the fretless guitar ever get uh, a little tiring? Or I think where they could definitely, like, on the... F- it took me a little bit to get into this album. The first track... Um, I guess the best term to use is that the riffs kind of felt woozy. Like maybe yeah. it wasn't as smooth a transition as they'd like. Like they kind of relied more on the, the, the kind of the smoothness of having the, the fretless guitar versus making sure that the riffs actually, uh, I, I think I like it and I feel like it has, it has some personality on it. Uh, it has a little bit of uniqueness that makes that a more, tolerable i do think that yeah. there are other riffs that definitely um it's a little bit too i think woozy is the best word where it's just it's kind of it's a little stumbly it could be tightened up a little bit uh, i think they I, could have the same effect but definitely but definitely be a yeah. little more have better transitions have better flow but there's a lot of potential here which yeah because um, i i just i i think sometimes that that booziness that you're talking about i think that's kind of um almost like a side effect of having that type of instrument sure yeah um not to say it's a bad thing i just think it, it's it's kind of like an acquired taste almost like mm-hmm. um i'm trying to remember that there was a fretless guitar album that got put out i think back in like it was either 2016 or 2017 that uh the guys on heavy blog were really pushing for um i want to say it was something like fountainhead something like that um i can't remember the exact name but you know a I thought it was really cool, but like it had you know similar, uh, had like that that stumbly type of feeling to it. Yeah. So I mean, it's just you know part of, it. but that sounds really like a really cool idea, like just just in concept. So I actually really want to check that out. Yeah, it's, um, it's a great great. Album. Anyone who likes black metal, black A's, I, I think this is a band. I would be surprised if they didn't at least take another step up from where they are now because I don't think they're on a major label. They're totally independent. Um, I mean, here's the thing. Like, if we can have a band like Zeal and Ardor as, as like a main, as like a big act, like I think the sky's the limit. <laughs> yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, my first, I, I, I had trouble really finding stuff. Um, you know, I was kind of looking around at punk and a lot like some noise, and I just decided on two kind of like hardcore punk albums, kind of. Uh, this first one's uh, the band's called Visions of War, and the ba- uh, the album's called Swine Parade, which uh, I guess it's a compilation really of like their first two albums. But uh, they're they're like this. I, best way I can describe it is like um, like hardcore punk, but it's it, it, so it's 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 more like crust, you know, than anything. But y- you know how crust has like it's the the only way i can describe it, it's it's like, it's like hardcore punk but it sounds like crust mm-hmm. if that makes sense that, yeah, that makes any sure. sense like, like it has crust production basically mm-hmm. um because like really if you listen to the riffs like they're just like pulled straight from like early hardcore punk um 
but it's it's still really cool. These guys are from Belgium, so there there's a lot of like um, talk about Belgian politics in it. Um, you know things like that. You know it's it's a very like political politically charged album um, at points, but it was just really like I thought the riffs were like really well you know written and just performed, and it was just you know it's 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 one of those like you know uh flex your head type of uh you know punk releases they they just kind of want to like you know shake it and just kind of like mosh a little um so it's really it was really cool um you know i i i can't say personally that's something i'm you know gonna be like oh yeah album of the year um I, i'm to be honest that's kind of happy about both of these but i i was you know i enjoyed my time with it so nice well yeah. sounds really cool I'm looking forward to checking that out yeah um uh, yeah so I think I'll you, you said you had three albums right yeah I'll I'll bookend the yeah. two rock adjacent which obviously that, that's such a broad term but uh, the two guitar driven albums with an ambient release which I, I've really been loving okay. and I also wanted to shout out um the label so this was released on an independent label predominantly doing ambient and just experimental electronic releases called music from memory okay. uh, they released uh, of course i'm going to say that i loved this album they released last year and i forget what it was called um <laughs> but they we were very professional <laughs> i know i just i, I um it had a very similar co- yeah it's a uh, uh, tareke Im- improvisational loops this that oh came right out, yeah I, the, it was a gorgeous ambient that was album. an interesting album yeah I, I loved love love from last year so i saw an album they released this year which had a similar ish album cover to an extent i mean it's just they have they're kind of like there's a few different labels that have a style for their release. So if a release fits in this certain bucket, I mean, Zorn does this where like the actual packaging or the album art will have a set frame or like a set template that they then oh, customize. Yeah. So it's kind of the same. It's, it's a, you know, kind of a wet re- white rectangle. And then there's a box in the middle with uh, text at the top, text at the bottom. Uh, this one is by an Italian producer named uh, Suso Saiz and it's called nothing is objective it's a much longer much more um i'll say like uh, you know kind of texturally rich a, l- a little bit more genre exploration here um verges more in some mild progressive electronic or some mild ambient house kind of where okay the it's not so much a straight up and ambient track where I mean, I think product, uh, percussion-wise, it's definitely much more in line with ambient, but the way that the electronics flow and the instrumentation, like there's some light orchestral elements here, some sound collage, some you know straight-up piano, some obviously a lot of electronics, a lot of synths, but it's just really gorgeous. And this is kind of... I picked this because not only do I love what the label is doing, but I feel like this is a perfect summation of you know the conversations we've had about ambient music in the past, like something that feels like was actually composed that was actually written that had Mm. thought behind it it wasn't just let me you know plunk a few piano keys throw on the reverb and just kind of let it ride yeah Um, this actually (laughs) was was well constructed really beautiful engaging throughout i mean a lot of ambient releases I, i listen to i mean i have a ton of ambient releases on my just kind of what i've been listening to this year that caught my eye 
uh, that list and a lot of them I make it most of the way through and I'm like all right well I'll, I'll, I'll count that just in case I want to return to it um, <laughs> I have a pretty low bar for that list it's just kind of everything that I, I've listened to um, most of the way through uh, I kind of it's more internal for me just to keep track and then later I'll skim it down this is an ambient release that I've listened to multiple times through I think it's phenomenal I think it really um, I think it just really is exactly what I, I want from ambient music and I, I'm I'm really glad I, I I found this label through that um, the Turek album, yeah Turek album. And, and, and I, I think there is some virtue in and it's not so much I think in our, in our eight, you know day and age we've talked about how you know we've talked about how Outmart is important nowadays to be able to, to flip through things and I, I think recognizing knowing knowing what patterns to, to look for in certain genres like you can recognize um, like I know what type, for most of the time I know what type of death metal is going to be an on on an album based on the you know what type of drawings on it because yeah. you know brutal death metal and regular death metal they have two very different you know obviously one being more violent um, album artwork so it's guess the same which one <laughs> yeah so uh, I think in looking through uh, in looking through new releases that were coming out originally the album cover for that Tureke album caught my eye and, and I'm glad it did because I think that this is an incredibly worthwhile. Um, label that's that's bringing some attention to they're really doing a great job curating ambient music which is in in this day and age as we talked about earlier with how saturated Bandcamp Bandcamp is in multiple genres I think that's difficult to do and I'm glad that they're you know, yeah glad they're doing it yeah because I mean that, that, that's one genre that really needs you know um, a little more curation just, just you know mostly because of Spotify and just all the fucking like lo-fi study beats and everything mm-hmm. like it's it's sort of putting like it's it's like almost giving the genre a bad name in a way um, yeah absolutely yeah so my final album that I found today um is called uh harm remissions and the band's called uh fawn limbs um and uh, this was they so I if you go to their Bandcamp page, they describe it as like geometric math metal or something like that. Let, let me just pull that up really quick. Uh, geometric noise, mathematical chaos. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. So yes, um, so 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 th- there's I, I feel like there's a slight taking of the piss, if you will, <laughs> with, with with how they view their music, um, but. You know, I, I feel like this is sort of like an addition uh, into you know how like there's been like this sort of genre as of late that's it's you know, like I said like like math metal like uh, I'm thinking people like like Frontierer and uh, mm-hmm. Noise Trail Immersion and uh, those type of guys that like they are it's it's sort of like they're taking mathcore but they're sort of stepping it up a notch yeah and sort of yeah like just adding um, you know a little a little more punch to it. Uh, you know, and I think in some cases a little more like gent type of inspiration. Like I'm thinking of like almost like car bomb mm-hmm. in a way. But um, th- these guys kind of do like uh, they, they remind me a lot of Frontier. Uh, if anything, actually, they, they remind me a little more of like Gaza uh, that they oh. have like th- this interesting blend of things going on that like, you know, there's there's some noise going on, there, but there is like a... Um, there's more of a, like a forward momentum to what they're doing as opposed to like you know like a Dillinger escape plan where it's like 
you know, you're going to have, like, 16-4 time and things like that or, mm-hmm. you know, something ridiculous. Whereas, like, I think this is this is almost like a, like a, like, I describe it as like a, like a sort of like a meathead take on uh, on Gaza, which I, I I really don't want to come off as a negative because it's really not. It's just it's a really um, it's just much more forward thinking than you know uh, than like Gaza. Like you know you you don't see these guys you know playing the same riff and sort of slowing it down for you know five minutes. Uh, yeah. You know. But like so, it was it was a really cool listen. Uh, you know, the album artwork was really cool. It, like all of the album artwork that they have on their page is like really cool. Like it all feels like it's um, part of like a series in a way. Like it's kind of like these um, like darkened, uh, like sort of like grainy photos. Like, do you remember the band? Uh, there's like a one man band called Sterilizer. Uh, they're like in, like industrial metal. Um, I don't think so. Actually, doesn't sound familiar to me. Oh, you, oh, that's worth checking out. But the the album cover is really cool because it's just like this. Um, it looks like a like it's almost like a, like an androgynous child. Uh, it's the best way I can put it. Um, on on the cover of it, and then it has like basically like the uh, the base remnants of the sex symbol, you know, like for men and women. So it's just mm-hmm. literally a line uh, and a circle. But there's no distinguishing, like there's no arrow and there's no cross, so it's it, it goes on like the sterilized theme, but it's all really grainy and like, you know, it ha- it really gives off a lot of like atmosphere. And this thing does this does something similar. It's almost like that mixed with um, you know, like the the album cover to the uh, latest Uboa album. Oh yeah, like it's it, it's kind of like like a hybrid between those. Two. I really like it, so it, it really interested me. Um, yeah. These guys are really cool. Fond limbs, harm remissions. So, yeah, nice. That, I mean, that that sounds awesome. I mean, I, I love that um, that new strain of of mathcore you were you were talking about, and kind of the adjacent, or or rather, I guess I should say, I love the direction mathcore is going in. I mean, I've always been yeah. a fan of the subgenre, but I'm, I'm definitely a fan, uh, even more of a fan of um, where it's going, how it's evolved. Yeah, how it's evolved. It's taken some interesting places. Like, I mean, I was just listening to uh, that Noise Trail Immersion album the other day, which was, um, you know, one of my albums of the year last year. Mm-hmm. It was Symbology is Shelter. And it's still just, like, really, like, a really, really fresh take on a genre that, you know, is in itself, by definition, just pretty refreshing. So, um, yeah. You know, I, I definitely want to keep a lookout for these guys. Um, yeah. Right. So well, you know, well, thanks for the the shout out because that that actually been really interested in mathcore recently and my next yeah. album is kind of this is another case where I think it's a young band that really um, has room to grow I, I like where they're they're at a lot um, and it's a band called Nautilus the album is called Chronemics it's uh, it caught my eye it's a really interesting. Album Why do I cover. feel like I've heard of this band before. Uh, I, I was surprised after you know listening to it. I was like, I assume they're relatively big, but they really didn't have a lot of um, people on Bandcamp that have purchased the album. I mean, that partially is probably due to the fact that it was Name Your Price. I mean, that's something I can't really you can't really control for. Um, but the first half of the album is much more mathcore and post hardcore vibe. It was you know that much more vibe to it. The latter half 
focuses much more on like kind of math rock and post rock and it's kind of a tale of two halves split by an instrumental track in the middle and then an instrumental track at the end um but throughout they definitely flirt with a combination of math core and math rock i definitely what, can what is this what's the um the album called chronemics so it's c-h-r-o-n-e-m-i-c-s okay and I, f- I mean, they did both halves of their style really well. It was some really crushing, um, heavy, but definitely still with a melodic, your uh, post-hardcore um, math. It kind of felt like a mix of Coalesce and Poison the Well. And then the latter half was okay. definitely a more slint-oriented take on post-rock with a lot of heavy, you know, melodic math rock influences. And you could definitely feel that they were, like, biting at the heels of blending these two styles. I don't think they quite pulled it off maybe even the way that they uh they wanted to uh, yeah. i think that they probably there probably was more more room for growth there that they uh they probably would would even admit they wanted to to go towards i, I think if they had done an album of just one half or uh, just um the other half it would it would have been fantastic and i think this album is fantastic uh but i i'm really excited to keep following them and to keep seeing where they go because I, I, I definitely can see this being, um, you know, be, being just like a really, really interesting style. And yeah, um, the artwork is really cool. Yeah, that, that's what really caught my eye as well as, um, you know, it might have just kind of bring the conversation full circle. It might have been um, one of those things where they uh, they just put, you know, whatever genres they could throw, throw the, the kitchen sink at it. Yeah. Um, mm. But I feel like they're all warranted. I mean, again, maybe not all at the same time, but I think they might be getting there. And it's definitely worth checking out for anyone who likes either style, uh, especially if you like both. I mean, this album is going to be quite a trip and, and well worth your time. Yeah, no, this looks super cool. So, uh, and, you know, anybody listening, uh, I'm going to put all these uh, recommendations, all these links down in the description. So uh, if you are curious to just check them out, give these guys some love, you know, maybe um, send them a couple bucks. So Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, even though I think some a lot of these are like name your price, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say do that, but <laughs> mm. just, it's a free country. Um, <laughs> so unless you're in Belgium, apparently. No, um, <laughs> sorry. Uh I know I, I love Belgium. Jean Claude Van Damme is a hero of mine. Um, <laughs> I, I how many Belgians do you think are just sick of people talking about Jean Claude Van Damme? Um, I wonder honestly. <laughs> yeah. I wonder um, if, if people are whether they're tired of it just because it's so you know such a common reference, or if they're embarrassed yeah. by him. Like I know there are certain Americans that you know people might associate with our culture that we're like, all right, that's that's fine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Don't need to there. Yeah, I, 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 I have an idea of, of who you're talking about, but yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's move on to our, our next little thing. We're, we're so recently uh, Anthony Fantan of the Needle Drop uh, had this uh, video that he put down on his second channel, sort of talking about what uh, he's calling patching albums, uh, which you know he he made this in response to um, some people critiquing him on, I think um, um, about the latest young thug album, because apparently uh, going, 
I think just a couple days afterwards, after its after its release, he added um, like Machine Gun Kelly Kelly to like a uh, to a track. Um, you know, you know, and it sort of brings up you know it's it, technically this is not new. Uh, this has been going on for a while now. I mean, arguably, like someone like Kanye kind of uh, started it with with Life of Pablo, uh, just kind of this new trend of going into albums that are already released and editing them in some sort of way. Um, you know, and you know, I, I thought it would just we thought it would be cool to talk about uh, sort of the ideas around that whether that's a good idea or a bad idea and what this sort of means for albums as it is um because i i think that there are like I, like a lot of these conversations like there's no like perfect answer um this is more of a discussion you know sort of kind of open form uh, so scott you want to just jump in on this thing yeah i I think, I think you sound so depressed. No, it's just it's a it's a complicated issue. I do think there are, um, I don't know. It, it's hard to. I have a ton of thoughts about this. I'm not, I'm trying to figure out where to where yeah. to start. Yeah. Do Do you want me to um take over because I I have some stuff. I wrote down some notes um that I can just yeah, sort of talk I, about. I, I will say that just to start out on on the positive, I think that there can be some. Um, there could be some benefit to this. Uh, like for example, just from a personal um, note, there was an album that came out in 2010, a band called the Acacia Strain. It's called Wormwood, and they released uh, at the time, you know, back when iTunes was actually a thing. I guess it's still a thing, but is it, it is. Um, be, be nice, be nice okay. to Apple. They, um, they, they they rule our lives. Yeah. We love them. Uh, I think it was uh, it was not an iTunes. It was not an iTunes or vinyl exclusive track necessarily, but it was uh, the lead single for the album is called Jonestown. Really, really cool song. Uh, I, I still bump this album a lot. This is kind of <laughs> 20, 2010 was I found all after 2010, my love of deathcore like felt like it kind of fell off the face of the earth. But up until then, like all my favorite releases from the genre came out in 2010. And this one, there's uh, a vocalist. His name is Kyle Chard. He's from Born Low. No idea who the band is. Never listened to them. Don't really care. However, his his yelling or his screaming perfectly complements uh, Vincent Bennett, the lead vocalist of the Acacia Strain, on that track. And the way that they weave him in is just flawless. So eventually, I think when they upload Apple Music or Spotify uh, or whatever happens, they replaced the original version with the quote-unquote bonus version. At least... Wherever I found it on streaming services, it's been replaced with that because I think people reacted so strongly to it um, that they wanted to actually they wanted to put the version people actually wanted to hear. And I think that's kind of a cool aspect. You can't really do that. I mean, you can always reissue a CD, but what what are the chances someone's going to rebuy a CD just for one um, one kind of relatively small tweak on a track? So I think I, I, okay, well, I, I've te- I've actually done that, but um. <laughs> well, okay, so, so most most people won't no, do that. But I, I am not most people, yeah. and to be fair, that that album was uh was like a virgin. <laughs> it was I I got Gosh, rid of it. I got rid of my old copy because um into the groove wasn't on that edition. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yep. But- but I'm petty. <laughs> I think that's an interesting part to what Fantano was saying is that the 
the fluidity of music makes it so that um, you, know, you can do stuff like that, and I think that's a positive example. And he also brought up yeah. um, that one feature on the Travis Scott album where the vocals are mixed really low, negative yeah, reaction. Yeah, the, 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 the nav feature. They were able yeah, to. Um, they were able to fix it, which yeah. brings up my number one issue on the other side with this is that releasing an album i mean that is an artistic statement that is you know this is something i've created you're putting it out there now people can respond to it however they see fit and i think when you go into i mean i don't want to make this like kind of an academic discussion in terms of like you put this out we create it and like you get marked off for this and whatever but like they decided to release the album like that and that is what they decided that the vocals sound like and now, for someone who may not know, like they were able to just correct things um, that they, in their artistic vision, wanted to put out there. I mean, and that kind of builds the narrative of an album, and it builds where you know an artist was in their career. Like for example, I brought up before uh, "Order Ed Kyle by Mayhem. You know, they were in that stage of their career; they wanted to make a quote-unquote "necro as fuck" sounding record. In the process, they made a horribly produced album. Um, so while I personally would love a reissue. Where they remaster the music, I wouldn't want them to totally erase that yeah. version from streaming services and put a new version if they were to reissue it. Like I don't, I don't want them to basically rewrite history. And I think yeah. that makes criticism really difficult. If I mean, I think you and I will always collect physical media, but there yeah. are some people where <laughs> there some people were a hundred percent of their streaming or their hundred percent of their music comes consumption comes from streaming so for them all their music lives in the cloud like they don't own any pieces of music yeah i don't know what percentage of the population that is i'm sure everyone at least owns you know one album digitally or owns a cd the number's going down though yeah no exactly and we're going towards that trend so we're going to get to a point where basically the history of music for a lot of people is controlled by um, whoever owns the music digitally and we could get to a point because here's the thing is when this first came up with Kanye, people were like, Oh, well he's just tweaking some stuff. It's not a big deal. Like it's not like they're going to make any major changes. It's not like, you know, he's going to add people to an album or take people off. Well, a few years later, now we're talking about an instance where an artist did add a, a totally I'm, new I'm, feature. I'm pretty sure Kanye pulled shit like that with life of Pablo. I, I didn't follow that that closely yeah. because I think the, the kind of a sub complaint I have about this is it's basically a marketing tool for artists. Is, it really I mean, is. That's what he used it for. Is he released the album and then a few weeks later he's like, "Oh, an updated version." So then the whole you know PR machine, everything fired back up, and then he's like, "Oh, I'm doing it again." You know, I mean, to, to be fair, like you know, Kanye can take a shit, and you know, it, it'll it'll be the first thing on Pitchfork. So, for sure, for sure. Um, and I you think, know, it, it's it, it's a two way street. Exactly, um, but I, I think that you know, I don't know how much of this was artistic. Maybe mach, machine gun kept, but. I feel like he's the kind of artist... Um, Young Thug. Young Thug is the kind of artist where... I mean, he's just released stuff at, at will, so I don't know if this is an instance where he wanted to get Machine Gun Kelly in this track and then just didn't get it in time, or if... I mean, I don't I don't really believe that. I feel like... I don't know what the, the influence was behind this, yeah. but... We, we, we can't really predict what he's saying, but, you know, if I can just jump in here for a second, because sure. uh, there are two things that have just come to my mind. I think the first thing is that it's interesting how strangely this dovetails with um, sort of this new, this other new trend of just putting out anything, mm -hmm. you know, in the, like basically throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks, you know, uh, and not even mastering or mixing it, you know, kind of, uh, you know, taking that, 
you know, um, taking the lesson of that phrase, you know, strike while the iron's hot and taking it to like its fundamental extreme, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I it's 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 kind of weird how these two you know actions have kind of gone together now. And it's kind of a dangerous trend in a way, just just because, you know, like part of releasing an album is, um, you know, having some forethought about it, you know, and I think that that's what's lacking in a lot of music these days mm-hmm. is is that like people just think that they can just, you know, release whatever they want, which I mean, again, you're more than allowed to. I'm not going to like I do the same thing. I'll release stuff. But I like, you know there's if you're gonna if you're gonna make a big deal about your big album and you're you know a big musician you know i i I think that you gotta sort of take responsibility for your own art in Mm -hmm. in a sense you know you 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 gotta think about hey is this all i can be in more or am i just kind of half-assing this and i mean you, you can make this argument that you know this is an issue that is always plagued music but i think now it's so much more prevalent because nowadays it's just so easy to just oh upload an album like that Mm -hmm. you know you can just drop an album a day if you wanted to you know a and like i think someone like young thug which i'm not i really haven't listened to his music i'm you know i i can't really say either here or there on the quality of it but i do know that like he you know represents sort of you know a sort of a, a niche uh genre that seems to be you know full of these very prolific artists who you know come out with like these really long projects sometimes and it it just feels like there's no forethought Mm -hmm. put into it whatsoever um second thought also is um just think about this from a business that you know think about this from a business point of view like you brought up this this could be even you know more dangerous in a sense um so i i don't know how much you keep up with video game news but uh it's a couple weeks ago now but um activision recently put out a remastered version of uh crash bandicoot team racing um and well so a a couple weeks ago (laughs) bless you sir and uh a couple weeks ago activision ended up patching the game to include microtransactions on it so it didn't initially uh include any sort of microtransactions and now they do and so you're basically taking a game that was fine and just putting another price tag on it uh and people are really pissed about it like really pissed um like i've seen like a lot of a lot of articles just just talking about how like this is just so anti-consumer and just so pig-headed of a decision to make but you know it 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 raises the idea that you know you you could fundamentally you could do this with music as well Mm -hmm. that it not necessarily microtransactions but this this way that you know like you could make an album that gets fantastic reviews and then you could just edit it and it could be complete garbage uh-huh. And the, those edits with that, the, those reviews would still kind of be there, unless you know someone was like really like you know savvy about it and like decided to go and re-edit their own the, the, their own review, you know, of something, which is just <laughs> I, I think like it just creates this infinite regression of just 
fucking revision that <laughs> just borders on insanity. Um, but it's possible that somebody could do something like that, 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 that they could like, you know, uh, you know, add to an album, like, like think about like, you know, like if daughters, you know, like with, with their last album, which was, you know, one of the best albums of the year, one of the most critically acclaimed albums of the year, you know, what if they just decided to, you know, uh, maybe not like take anything away or edit anything, from that album but like what if they decided to add like a second disc or like a third disc of that you know like, yeah. like i think maybe in a way that would be good but at the same time that's total stream trolling right there like th- th- that's just a way to make money mm-hmm. you know and, and i'm not saying that daughters would do this this is an example uh first example that came to my mind um you know it's just that the possibility for this exists and like that that's that's kind of fucked up yeah. Um, yeah. That being said, though, I I think that there I like I think there are some positives to this as well, um, because I I know just as someone who likes to you know put out uh, you know creations of my own, you know I, I I think that you know like if if I see like a like a spelling error or something like that, you know I I kind of want to go in and fix it, even mm-hmm. though you know the post has already been published. You know, or like, um, you know, I've seen there there are writers who have actually gone back and edited their old material, like Chuck Palahniuk. Um, he took his novel Invisible Monsters, and uh, just a couple of years ago, just basically came out with like a remixed version of it. That's like literally what he called it. it was like Invisible Monsters remixed. That uh, it was basically like the way he wanted to write it before the editors got their hands on it. And mm. like, you know, so you you can buy re- the regular version of the book, but you could also buy this remix version, which is sort of has the author's intended ideas around it. Like, so th- it's it's a very gray area, mm-hmm. um, but I think I think the important thing though is that like I think I think that this is this is the key to this entire argument is that I think the past needs to sort of stay in the past. Yeah, exactly. Um, which what I mean by that is like, I, I, I think what's, what's cool about having these releases and having like these, this art is that, you know, it, it captures a moment in time and, you know, so you're able to go back and look at it. But the other, you know, uh, perk of that is that you're able to create more stuff afterwards that doesn't have to necessarily be related to it. You know, a and so I, I think like that that's that's an important part of that. Like I think you know if if you're focusing on trying to edit you know your 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 mixtape to be perfect, you know you're kind of dragging your feet and be, because you could be working on a full length, you know that could be even better. Mm-hmm. You know it's it, it's it's a very you know it, it it's kind of debilitating in a sense for artists uh you know it like it isn't just about consumers here so it's it's but i i think that's a big part of it. it's like you know if you're gonna go back and like you know let, let, like let's say like you know you you get a novel published and like the second edition of it like you know comes out like obviously you're you're gonna you're gonna play around with like you know making sure that uh everything's spelled right <laughs> you know things like that sure but like fundamentally the edition's going to be the same 
you know, whereas, you know, maybe if you do like, you know, like nonfiction books have, you know, um, a history of having like multiple editions that are usually expanded on that, like they'll usually edit certain details just to make sure that they're factually correct or they'll add more uh, parts to it just to, you know, complete the experience and com- sort of complete the idea that they're trying to present on it. Uh, so like it's 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 not that this is entirely a bad idea. It's just that like you know I, I think it's important to keep things in the past, you know to, to sort of keep that mindset because you know like even though you can come out and you know edit your nonfiction book to be perfect, you could easily just come up with another one that mm-hmm. could be you know even better. So it's yeah. I think I'm. I think I'm sort of repeating myself at this point, so I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> no, but but I, I definitely I think that that's the. I think that's the distinction for me is you know going. I mean, any number of you know content creator they'll go in and update a spelling yeah. error in an article or something was you know factually incorrect or what have you. That's one thing, but I think for me when the distinction for me comes is when you're overwriting in you know something with artistic intent is that you are specifically yeah. saying. I've created this, respond to it, and then just because something becomes a meme on the internet or people respond to it badly, you're like, oh, just kidding, I'm just going to erase that from the face of the earth. I, I think that's part of it is that, you know, like, whereas, you know, an article or a book that's, like, nonfiction has to be factually accurate, art doesn't necessarily, you know, follow those rules. It sort of yeah. has its own sort of nebulous existence. For sure. You know, so, it, you know... To, to say like oh you need to do this or you need to do that with it you know those those guidelines don't really exist yeah exactly um, so yeah it, it makes it a lot tougher to you know sort of decide what to do um, so like you know like I, I think it would be you know like it, it's always important to let this past stay in the past is just what I'm saying like like um, you mentioned mayhem with with uh, what was what was the album called uh, Ordo Ed Kayo, I think. Yeah. Um, like, I when you were talking about that, I was thinking of um, Rush, because they came out with the album Vapor Trails uh, back in, like, the 90s, I want to say, that um, got a lot of flack from fans because it was just mixed horribly and sort of added to, you know, the, uh, the, the loudness war, as they call it, uh, with, you know, music production. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... Near the beginning of the 2010s, uh, they actually came out with a remixed version of it, you know, but at the same time, they're not saying that like, oh, this is the only version you can get. They also have the original one, you know, that that's still around in stores. Uh, but, you know, again, I think it's a little different for Rush because, you know, we're talking about an album that came out before the internet or, or at least before the internet was a prevalent part of our culture yep so absolutely and uh, i think so the last thing that i really wanted to highlight from fantano's review and, and this is only specific to certain genres just because of the nature of of um you know what he was talking about but he was saying how is, is this a way or would be a tool for um labels to go back and really well-established albums on you know well-established uh, or, or popular songs to put up-and-coming artists as features on there to be like you know you're re- you're re-listening to you know swimming pools by Kendrick Lamar and they suddenly throw on this up and you know TDE 
the you know the overarching label yeah. that does whatever um throws on an upcoming rapper on it and you're like wait a second who the hell is this and then you um you th- then it's just free you know free advertising you know is that is, yeah. is that a, a tool which i had you know not even considered but i think that's really an interesting and, and the thing is is if, if it can be used in a certain way, I mean, you better believe that people are, are going to use it. I mean, I don't think yeah. that's that far a stretch to think. I mean, clearly it just happened here. Like, I mean, obviously we have no idea why he threw, um, you know, why he threw uh, Machine Gun Kelly on this album, but you yeah. know, he had the ability to do it and he did. And um, I would be, I would be interested to see how that, I mean, obviously that's not going to be something that's going to happen in a lot of genres. It's really only going to be in genres where, you know, features are prevalent, but um I don't know. I'm really interested to see how that yeah. how that plays out. I would also say that, you know, since things belong in the past, if we're talking about the past and the present, we should also point out that we don't know what the future holds for this. That, yeah. you know, th- this could, in fact, be a positive thing. This this could actually, like, you know, sort of bring in a new sort of form, like almost like, like a new format to music in a way that it's like this constantly changing thing uh-huh. uh, you know whether that's a good thing or not I, I think is another debate but you know it's it, it's interesting to see what the future holds so yeah huh okay nice well was, I'm, I'm, when you uh, sent me that and said you know you want to talk about it I thought that was really really cool because I think this is a really interesting discussion. It's very specific to our times, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it, you know, how it pans out. Yeah, me too, man. So, um, let's talk about um albums of the week. So I haven't, um, I haven't picked like a tr- like a true thrash and bash metal album, like a just a hardcore um, kind of. I feel like when people associate the music I listen to, or they think about that, they think about this kind of like ridiculous, like Cookie Monster bullshit. Um, yeah, toilet just, bowl. Yeah, when, 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 when people think about like all oh, like his metal music, I think this is the kind of thing that comes to mind. Exactly, <laughs> that's actually pretty close. Good job. Thank you. Um, yeah. This is by a band who I've always thought were good. I like um, a couple of their albums. I thought their last album was super. Um, it was, it was. It sounded to me like a veteran artist, really, on the decline. And this new album that came out. I listened to it because they always give a really good shot of brutality, but this, I don't know what they found late in their career, but it's just such a shot of adrenaline. Uh, Devourment, Obscene Majesty. Um, I feel like my biggest problem with Brutal Death Metal is that it gets stale really quickly. Like, the novelty of the whole album can be summed up in one track. You know, you have the you know really out-of-control blast beats that are, you know, a lot of times just kind of... They don't even sound organized. Like I know blast beats are meant to just be like you know a ton like really quick speed. They're supposed to add that to an album, but brutal death metal blast beats in particular sound like even off time and just like out of control. The riffs yeah. are just super like ridiculously heavy. The vocals are indiscernible. Tons of slams, tons of breakdowns. This album has a lot of that, but just super refined and super engaged throughout. And particularly the production is incredible. It it's, keeps that you know the kind of heaviness and grit and crunch you'd expect but it actually sounds good it's <laughs> it's like they found a way to both have like that brutal heavy you know just in you know ridiculously um gruesome sounding production but also make it sound 
like it's actually was recorded in 2019. So, ba- um, so basically, to have your brutal death metal cake and eat it too. Ex- exactly, <laughs> exactly. But the other Which, thing, brutal death metal cake. Sorry, has has gray frosting. Uh, that, that, that's all. So that's awesome. Um, but yeah, all the like the heavy riffs, the slams, the breakdowns, all that's there too. The intensity's there. I think the other thing that really brought it up is the drumming. I mean, the the blast beats are just so much. They're so much better placed. They're better performed. Uh, there's more variety beyond just you know thrashing at the kid and kicking along with breakdowns. It actually it helps drive the album along and keeps it a bit. I think that's been my major uh, barrier to a lot of brutal death metals. I feel like the drumming is just always okay. Let's just attack my kit with as much you know, <laughs> un, unfettered rage as I can. This one actually it did it did that to an extent. It had that. Um, insane drive and aggression, but also it was like you know what? Like I actually want to play drums. I actually want to feel like I wrote <laughs> I wrote some percussion parts that add to the songwriting. And man, this is just a super heavy, super um, rewarding listen. I mean, I think uh, I've liked a lot of their past albums. They're one of the most important brutal death metal and slam bands in the genre, um, and this is easily one of the better um there are a lot of older death metal bands that i feel like have faltered over the years and i think that this is a rare instance where this might be one of their better albums i don't think it's their best just because a lot of their other albums are just so important for the development of slam and just so yeah um, they encompass what's so great about the genre but so i'm this album came out this year though yeah, it came out. Okay. I think last last week or the week before. Oh uh, wow! It's, okay, it's it's pretty new, and I I've still usually brutal death metal in one year out the other, um, but this has stayed with me, and it's it's one of my favorite albums from the genre period this year. Nice, um, really really nice. great album. So, uh, that being said, I pretty much picked the exact opposite. That's awesome. <laughs> of of what you had because um I as as it's it's been well documented that uh, I like me some eighties cheese. You know, just I love really, really cheesy '80s synth pop, and like you know, uh, that like high energy dance, you know, pop that type of thing. Uh, I just, I I can't really explain why. I th- there's just something about it that I love. Maybe it's because you know, um, as much as you know, some people don't want to admit it. I am a child of the '80s. Um, you know, born in '92, I was a child of the '80s. <laughs> um so you know i i honestly like i was i was really i I had no idea what to pick for an album this week and then i had this on today and i'm like oh there we go so uh paula abdul (laughs) forever your girl there you go i knew i knew something like that was coming i know i know i i can't believe that i'm saying like oh hey this Paula Abdul album has been my album of the week, but seriously, like it was, it's just it was just a fun listen, you know. It's you know it's 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 one of those uh one of those albums that you shake your booty to, and I mean I'll admit I totally did that. So, you know, just the, there's some just new jack swing beats in this thing that are just like to die for. So, um, can't say I'm a big Paula Abdul fan. Uh, I guess this is like her like debut album, and um. It'll probably be the only Paul Abdul album I'll ever buy, but um, I love it. It's a lot of fun. So, and uh, you know, I was thinking about this while I was listening to it. That like, you know, what I think what I like most about art, regardless of genre, is just sort of one's natural reaction to it and how it like sort of brings you into the present moment. 
and like you know an album that just gets you dancing like you can't really like it, it doesn't like art doesn't have to mean anything like it, it 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 it's about you know visceral response i think more than anything you know it's it's about stuff that you can't really explain that you just kind of sit back and you enjoy it or you know you get up and just you know want to want to move that booty so yeah. there you go um, i'm really glad those are our two albums of the week because that dichotomy there is fantastic oh my god yeah that, that, I'm, I'm trying to think of like what could be more opposite um <laughs> mm, maybe future maybe maybe if, maybe if i listen to a future album maybe um i i would never listen to a future album so yeah i would i would be shocked wouldn't happen. yeah i know i i tried to listen to ds2 uh back in the day and it was just i was just so i was bored <laughs> it, that album is really fun and enjoyable for the first like couple tracks at least i, for I me, couldn't like, even get that far it, it really <laughs> like uh i think up until that song with drake just because way west was that like i just i, I like the flow of that but whew, man after a while because my friend lent me the deluxe edition which is is i don't even know how many tracks too long why would they make a deluxe edition of that i'd have to listen again just to see where i think they should cut it off but by the end i i literally i don't i know this is usually used hyperbolically but i thought i was going to fall asleep at some points because i was just listening to it on a lazy summer day and i just like felt myself nodding towards the end while i was playing um i don't know some game or trying to read or something but yeah god good yeah i get Um, you all right we've we've gone on we've ranted a little bit so um thank you for listening and uh we'll be back next week thanks a lot bye bye